Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope that this message will both teach and encourage you. Here's today's message. Now we can roll into the message this morning. This is the month of love. Everybody get ready. Get ready, get ready, because on the 14th, it's an opportunity to celebrate love. To celebrate love. And it's important to know what's at the foundations and basis of that. And so I just want to preach to you today a message entitled, Loving God with the Heart. Loving God with the heart. Just tell your, tap your neighbor and say, hey, it's supposed to involve our hearts. It's supposed to involve our hearts. Matthew chapter 22 verses 30 through four, 34 through 40, we read these words. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, that was a big event. To silence the Sadducees was amazing. He put them to silence because they could not Answer his questions. They found themselves bound in a controversy and caught in their attempt to catch him. So the Pharisees got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with a question. You know, there's no problem asking God questions. There is a problem when you're trying to trick God with your question. It's a problem when you're testing and trying to trick the Son of Man with your questions. And he knows the difference between people who are coming, asking why, because they're open-hearted and would like to know, and others who are setting things up for somebody to take the fall. And he comes to him and he says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. When I read those words, there's something that stands up inside of my spirit that says, that's because that's how God loves you. That's how God loves me. Can you imagine God half loving you? Can you imagine God just with a figment or a piece loving you? No. He does what he does with his whole being. He involves himself completely, leaves nothing behind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And all of the Israelites repeated this. This was called the Shema. And they all knew how to say this. This was part of their very basic first religious training. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You notice they didn't ask him for the second one? He offers it. Bonus, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. So, if we're going to love God with the heart, the first idea is the heart needs a change. The heart needs to change. Now, the heart is the essential, most inmost part of your being. Another way to look at is to say it is your spirit. With all that is within you, with your creativity, with your imagination, with all that lurks down in the secret. You know those places that actually you keep secret from a lot of people? Partly because there are things that you know you need to get right before you bring it out. But partly because if you revealed the good treasure that God has put in you, some people won't appreciate it. You notice that? You know that people don't automatically appreciate you fully. You know that, 
let's be honest, some people, have, you have to acquire a taste. You kind of have to get around them for a while and overlook certain things, and you have to pick and choose and then say, you know what, at first I didn't get along with them, but later they became my best friend. What happened? You began to pick and choose through things and say, that's really not that important. But when I came down to discovering the essence of that person, who they are when the lights are out, who they are in their thoughts and imaginations, that's the person I enjoy. That's the person that I like. Some of us are shocked when people love us the way we are. We're shocked. But don't you know that God loves us the way we are? But he loves us too much to leave us that way. So the heart needs a change. What did Jeremiah say? Jeremiah spoke in his day to this same group of people, their ancestors, and he said, the heart is deceitful, deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? But Ezekiel said, in Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart. The heart is deceitful and with beyond cure. That's a problem. That sounds like a fatal prognosis. That sounds like something if a doctor walked out and said, your heart is diseased and beyond functioning. There is no cure. Prepare to meet your God. That's, that's a rather an end point. And it's going to be soon. So the prognosis, the reality that Jeremiah traffics in, he says, the heart is deceitful, it's beyond cure. Who can know it? But listen to Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove for you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Wow. It's going to take a change of heart. Aren't you glad that God is in the change of heart business? Aren't you glad that he's willing and able to do that? And so this change is actually a threefold change. First of all, how about a change in consistency, then a change in direction, then a change in focus? What's the consistency? What did he say? From hard to soft. From guarded to open, from skeptical to accepting, from resistant to instruction to seeking the instruction of the Lord. Don't you know that's a major shift? That's a major change. I think one of the fundamental mistakes we make as believers is we expect unbelievers who have no resources to somehow change their heart. God doesn't even expect that. Here's what he's looking for with the most pagan amongst us, the most unrepentant, the darkest of sinners. He's simply looking for somebody who will open their heart to their creator and say, my heart is hard, it's unworkable, I'm filled with negativity, despair, life's been hard, I've taken a lot of beatings, and I all I know is to look down and to not trust. But if they will just lift up their eyes and look to the Lord and say, I heard you're the creator of all things, and that you can take the hardest heart and make it soft. You can take the vilest sinner and cleanse them. You can actually transform and change the consistency of something that is obstinate and resistant into open and accepting. Would you put your hands together and thank the Lord? That's hopeful. That's hopeful. He changes the consistency of our heart. 
Not only that, but he changes our direction. Just a little secret about life. It's really not a secret because it's biblical and it's stated over and over and over again. Our problem is we get too inward. We get too self-focused. We're too selfish. We are the center of the universe and our happiness or our despair rises and falls based upon how everyone else responds to us. After all, we're supposed to be the sun of everyone else's solar system. Children have that rude awakening, number one. They start out as the sun in the solar system of mom and dad. And then what happens? They find out they're merely a planet. Because other siblings come along and join the orbit. And now the focus of mom and dad is divided. Assets are divided. Resources are divided. And all kinds of things begin happening. If they stay inward focused, we have a prescription for disaster. But here's what parents work double overtime and pray over and work on constantly. How can I get little Johnny and little Susie to think of others rather than just themselves all the time? It takes some prying of the fingers. It takes encouragement. It takes challenge. But you know, it pays off. In parenting, we we work and we work, and depending on the personality, some are easier to train. Some are more challenging. Don't point at anybody. They're just more challenging. But here's the key. Here's what God does. He changes our direction of our focus from inside into our resources to outward, where we first of all look up to him, and then we look around to all that he has provided and all that he has created, and we look to staff members and others that he has placed as gifts in the body, and we say, thank you, Lord. And we open our heart, and we begin to realize there's more in this game than me. How about if we all pull and work together team accomplish it together. Everyone accomplishes more. Let's move in the right direction together. And our direction changes from inward focused and downward to outward focused and upward. Aren't you glad God allows us a a direction change? And then focus from earthly to heavenly. Do you know that this earth and its systems are not all there is? Do you know this is a small slice of the pie? Many of us are living for what this world has to offer and its resources. But it's just an infinitesimally small piece of the puzzle. There is this large creation, a vast galaxy, and God has created heavens above the earth. There are dimensions. There are all kinds of amazing things. And so amazing that one the writer in the epistle said, I believe it was Paul, he said, eyes not seen. Ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart. The imagination, the wild imaginings of a man. What God has prepared already for those that love him. But he reveals it to us by his spirit. Unbelievers and immature people, they lack the basis of understanding that And they think that this world and making it here is what it's all about. He who dies at the end with the most toys wins. No. No. He who dies lives. And he who loses his life, for my sake, Jesus said, he's the one that overcomes. He's the one that comes out ahead. We live not for this world, but we live for a heavenly kingdom. 
We live for a heavenly Lord. We live for a God who is seated in the heavens and reigns over everything when you put your hands together and praise Him. The heart needs a change. But God's in the change business. How about this? The heart needs a champion. Men like to say they're not emotional. But when a man sees a man become a champion, they get misty-eyed. One of the amusing things out of common culture and movies was a, uh, was a Sleepless in Seattle. One of my favorite scenes in that movie is the ladies are sitting around the table recounting their favorite romantic comedy movies. And they're sitting there with tears coming to their eyes, talking about all of this broken hearts and relationships and how the Prince Charming comes in at the end. And then the guys look at each other. And one of them says, do you remember that scene from the Dirty Dozen? When he has a bag, he has a backpack full of grenades and he's being shot and he's wounded and he's running from stack to stack, dropping those grenades down. He's giving his life. And then they sit there going, oh man, I know what you're talking about. That's a perfect illustration. Human beings, male and female, men and women, they're looking for a champion. Guys will cry when they see Rocky come to the top of the steps in Philadelphia. When they, when they see the war movie that comes out with just the last second with somebody doing something heroic, it moves our hearts. It does something down inside of our hearts. But you know, the whole audience is moved. Men and women are moved. Because why? Every heart needs a champion. Wow. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, Verse 16 through 17, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. Don't you love the idea that love and power go right together? These are not opposites. But there is a power in love. He has given us the spirit of love, not of fear. Amen? Perfect love casts out all fear. That's the champion of the heart. The love of God which comes and calms us and lets us know that I am able to take everything that you've committed and preserve it unto that day. That we know that we have a champion that is the champion of our heart that will lead us into battle, into the warfare of our mind, and that we can come out victorious. That we can do all things through Christ, the anointing, which gives us strength. That champion must be unique and freeing and power and empowering. One of a kind just seems to stir the heart. You know, there's nobody else like Jesus. Just one. He's it. He's in his own category in that regard. There is no one else like Jesus. He is the riches of heaven. He is the incarnate Son of God. He is the sweetest rose of Sharon. He is the lily of the valley. 
He is the friend that sticks closer than any brother. He is the bright and morning star. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one and only. God loves, he says, and is proud of the one and only Son. And he says, hear him. What a great and unique champion we have. Not only is he unique, but he's freeing. You know what every heart on the planet wants? doesn't matter where they're located. They secretly at least want this. Some of them would suffer if they admitted it. Here's what they want. Freedom. Hundreds of thousands in the streets of Brussels, Vienna, in Portugal, Spain, in Germany, in Australia, in New Zealand, there are people lining the streets and look at the banners that they're carrying. And what is the word? Whether it is in German whether it's in Dutch, whether it's in English, or even poorly scrawled English, it is this, freedom. Everybody wants to be free. I wonder where that comes from. Because God has placed that. The book of Galatians tells us it is for freedom's sake that Christ has made us free. So let everyone then stay free in these ways, and he begins to lay out for us what we need to do in order to maintain and to keep that freedom. Jesus came to set your heart free, to set my heart free, to set the hearts free across the globe, regardless of their language or their standing or their literacy. It doesn't matter where they stand in society. It doesn't matter, man or woman, young or old. It doesn't matter. Their heart longs to be free and Jesus is the one who has the keys, and he is the one who opens those locks, and he sets us free. Would you put your hands together and thank him? <clears throat> Unique and freeing and empowering. The heart grows weak and discouraged. Have you noticed that? What happened dynamically in this room, just since you've been in here today, and we have praised and worshipped the Lord together, you're hearing the preaching of the word. You're being grateful for the gifts that God has placed in the body. Just being around people that love Jesus, just being around people that share this faith, something has happened in your spirit. Something has happened down in your spirit that has made its mark on you. It has lifted your spirit. It has strengthened your spirit. It has encouraged your spirit. Somebody can simply give you a scripture or send you a note or a personal message, however it comes out, and there's something that lifts inside of your heart because somebody has empowered you. Somebody has taken power and just poured it into your life. You may have been so low that you were barely scraping the carpet when you walked in. One guy said he was so low he could sit on a Kleenex and swing his legs off the edge. That's low. That's low. But what happens when we get amongst God's people, when we get in the presence of the Holy Spirit, when heaven is there and touches us, something happens in our heart, something happens in our spirit, and that heart which was weak, that heart which was discouraged, begins to have strength poured into it. Jesus came to encourage and strengthen the heart. Isn't he good? Wow. Now, finally this. The heart needs a challenge. Everybody needs a challenge. People respond to challenges. 
that people don't respond to, I'll just lay around and come what may, just live laissez-faire. Here's where people gravitate and respond. They will fill a stadium to hear a man or a woman stand before them and challenge them in their complacency and challenge them to do better. They will pay hundreds of dollars tuition to sit with notebooks in thousands, amongst thousands of people. They will get on a jet plane, make reservations. They'll go through difficulty to get there because they really want a challenge. They want someone to challenge them. How many of you know Jesus can do that? Here's what the apostle says, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That's a challenge. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now there's a challenge. To not just be born again, be on my way to heaven, but to know this love and to surpass this knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. So here's the challenge. And it's this. Wide, long, high, and deep. Wide, long, high, and deep. Wide. God's love is wide enough to embrace us and to guide us. His arms are like this. His arms are not like this. I love that phrase that says, I asked Christ, how much do you love me? He opened his arms wide to fit upon the cross, and he said, this much. He will accept us right where we are, no matter how lost we are, no matter how pagan we are, no matter how committed to our sinful lifestyle we are, if we will reach out to him from that point, what will he do? He will accept us there. But remember, he loves us too much to leave us there. How about this? Long. His wide is, his love is not only wide, but long. Long enough to last us through the entire journey and never run out. God's love and its loving kindnesses, that the Bible tells us, they're new every morning. They're new every morning. Even if you thought that God was put out with you yesterday, guess what? While you were asleep, there was a reset. And he says, good morning. It's a new day. This is a new day where my loving kindnesses, they're full, and they'll never run out on you. I have this there because this is who I am. I am the kindly, loving God, and it's long enough to last us through the entire journey and never run out. The psalmist said, I have been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. How about this one? Hi. High enough to lift us into heaven and exalt us into our heavenly calling. In the love of God, awesome, that he can pull on us. He can invite us. He can woo us. He can work with us. And he can move us into the heavenly places and bring us into the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Don't you know you're called to be sons and daughters of the Most High God? And to reflect this love of God within the family of God and to those who don't even know it. And then, finally this, deep. Deep. Abyss deep. Way down in the depths of the ocean deep. Down into the places we've never explored. We know more about the planet Mars than we know about our own ocean because of their depths and our engineering lack that won't take us to the very depths 
to actually examine it. They estimate that 5% of the world's ocean depths have actually been explored. Some of you say, I feel like getting a bathosphere and going next week. Deep enough to reach to the depth of our despair and sin and rescue us. God can go to the guttermost and lift you to the uttermost. He can go to the deepest of depravity and take you into the heights of the hallways of heaven. This love is so deep that can reach into the depth of our depression, the depths of our despair, the depth of our emptiness, the depths of our heart, the depths of our sin, the depths of our depravity, the depths that we go to when we run from him. And we hear the psalmist saying, where can I go from your presence? I go to the heights and you are there. I go to the lowest valley and the depths of hell and you are there. Why? Because he loves that amazingly. He loves that much that he will challenge our heart to that. So as the musicians come and we move into a time of worship, it's a great opportunity just to be in the Lord's presence and enjoy his love, isn't it? Here's the question. If God loves us like this, what would happen if we in our hearts thoroughly received this love? What would happen in your heart? This is a great question to ask yourself as we worship. If I really completely open my heart to the love of God in its fullness, its height, its depth, its length, its breadth, what would happen? What would change? What would revolutionize within me? And to that end, we ask, Lord, what in my heart needs changing? Where in my heart do I need a champion? Where do I need that revelation of that champion to step forth? Where in my heart is the Lord issuing his challenge? If you listen very carefully this morning as we worship, maybe you want to sit right where you are, bow your head. Maybe you want to turn around and kneel in a chair. I don't know what your choice might be, how that you enter into that time, but let's take these next 15 minutes and enter into that time where he can reveal himself as the lover and the champion of our heart, taking us to new heights, bringing us out of the greatest depths, all for his glory, honor, and praise. What a day that will be. And what a day this is. Because we get to know Him and to love Him and walk in His love and have our hearts encouraged and strengthened and changed. Aren't you glad He can change the heart? He can challenge the heart. And He can take us higher, deeper, further, stronger, and wider in this awesome, amazing love of God. Let's all stand to our feet. I just want to speak a blessing over you. Lord, I call these people blessed because your heart is upon them. Your eyes are upon them. Your hands are open to them. Your arms are open to them. We know you. And Lord, we pray for those that do not know you that there would be something that would break loose in a heart. The hardest heart can be softened and changed and challenged by who you are and that revelation by your spirit. Lord, we're so glad that we are together with you on the team and we're part of this and you have life for us and more abundantly. We ask, Lord, for a great revelation of your love 
across this streaming, across the video, into YouTube and Facebook, and across this room, Lord, that spirits would be lifted, hearts would be changed, and eternities and destinies would be written. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. The Lord bless you. We'll see you back here around four. Ladies will be in a, a, a shower. Guys will be in a Bible study. Until then, grace and peace be upon you. And enjoy your day.